Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from ilikehugh.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at ilikehugh.com. Now, let's get started. I'm Tracy Koga and welcome to Hugh at Home. We are in another lockdown and new regulations, so rules have it that you can go play golf but only with a household member. So I went golfing with my husband this past weekend and thank him very much for putting up with me for nine holes. But I really know that's not like golfing with your buddies. So we can all hang in for just one more week. There should be a light at the end of the tunnel. Today on Hugh at Home, I'll sit down with recording artist Tanya Joy, and not only is she doing great music, but she's also supporting her own community. But first, let's meet the CEO and President of the St. Boniface Hospital Foundation and find out why 2021 is a big year. Hi, Karen. Welcome to Hugh at Home. And well, it has been a while, I know, but still, congratulations on now becoming the official CEO and president of the St. Boniface Hospital Foundation. And wow, what an incredible year. And I say that honestly, <laughs> despite what we're living in, to celebrate the hospital's 150th anniversary and the foundation's 50th anniversary. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it would be nice if we could be all open and you know be all together but let's talk about this year Karen and the new well it's a new position I guess but not really for you that's right Tracy and thank you I I became officially became the president and CEO um, just at the end of March um, I have been acting in an interim role since September so yeah it wasn't exactly brand new to me but <laughs> Um, but certainly, you know, I welcome the opportunity to lead the helm here at the foundation, um, moving into the future. And yeah, 2021 is a special year for both us and the hospital. Um, you know, the 150th anniversary of the hospital is a pretty big wow moment. Um, we were the first hospital in Western Canada, so it's awesome to be able to recognize that this year. There'll be a lot more information coming out in the fall about that that will be seen in you know in the public but um at this point in time you know it's also a bit disappointing that we're not able to gather you know we had hoped that there would be some in-person celebrations and an opportunity to really mark the occasion uh, so we'll do the best that we can given the circumstances but yeah it's um and, and of course you know it's also difficult because it's a hard time here in the hospital right now oh and yeah i it affects the foundation, your staff, you can't, you know, everybody's working from home. And then, yes, of course, the hospital itself. Never before did we ever dream that this would be happening. For you, Karen, I guess, what are some of the more important things now as you look at yourself as the foundation, you know, the biggest fundraiser for the hospital? How yeah. is that going to change? So I think right now, I mean, this past year has been incredible in the sense of so many people from the public reaching out 
to make donations to support frontline healthcare workers. I mean, that's just amazing, right? Mm -hmm. We're so thrilled that people saw the hospital and other hospitals across Manitoba as being, you know, one of the most important causes that they could support um, during this past year. Um, moving forward into the future, you know, there were, are going to be lots of great opportunities to continue to support the hospital. Um, we're going to have the redevelopment of our emergency department uh, moving forward very soon, um, you know, and looking towards getting that completed over the next few years. So that's very exciting. Um, the, the size of the space is, is going to be tripling. There's going to, you know, we're going to have the capacity to see that many more patients on a regular basis. Um, and of course, you know, we're always happy that donors choose to support um, the, uh, the cardiovascular program here mm -hmm. at the hospital. We are the cardiac center of Manitoba. That is, you know, where, where the bulk of our patient visits come from every year. And, uh, you know, we're always happy to support purchases of new equipment and uh, to help the programs over there with, you know, with the support of donors. And do you think the foundations, and I, not only the St. Boniface Hospital Foundation, but the other foundations there, that really community is so important. As we've seen it, you've spoke about Good Samaritans stepping up and supporting the hospital staff and whatnot. Also to donors, and you have a long-lasting relationship with some wonderful donors that have been with you for years and years and years. How, Karen, are we going to you know, rejuvenate that too, right? As you go mm -hmm. forward and look for new donors and to still have that same compassion for the hospital. Yeah, I mean, I think um, St. Boniface Hospital, as you say, has a long history of compassionate patient care, of hope and healing in our community. And I think, you know, we've been very fortunate that, that the staff of the hospital mm -hmm. have continued to carry on. That, uh, that legacy of the gray nuns who started, you know, who started St. Boniface Hospital. Um, you know, I think moving forward, there's, um, you know, I, I think we, we continue to work with hospital staff to ensure that that compassionate care continues to be supported. Um, we're very lucky. We, we hear from donors all the time who are coming forward to tell us how grateful they are for the care that they received here at the hospital. Um, telling us, sharing their stories with us, telling us about the experiences they had. And really it all boils down to staff, right? Mm -hmm. It's, you know, the care and compassion that they show to patients is just phenomenal. Um, and I think that's the culture of the hospital. And uh, we're here to support that in any way that we can. Um, you know, we also see it in the donations that come in our door um, continuously throughout the past year in support of um, in support of the healthcare workers' um, donations of food, right, mm -hmm. and comfort items that yeah. people are able to offer. You know, we've had coffee and donuts donated repeatedly, mm -hmm. meals from various restaurants around town. Um, you know, we even had a, a donation of chocolates for, you know, for staff in one of the ICU units the other day. It's just little things like that, of that, you know, people are taking the time to say thank you to those healthcare workers and thank you for the care that you've shown to us in the past. Oh, I know. And it's so, it's been so long now that we've been in this and you tend to forget. I, the momentum was so strong in the beginning and, you know, we really want to say thank you again to all of the frontline workers and the healthcare workers. And for me personally, uh, I was born there. At St. Boniface, my two boys were born at St. Boniface Hospital, so 
the, the staff there is truly amazing. And I just want to say, too, my mother spent her last two weeks in your palliative care. And oh. my heart and love go out to all the staff on that floor. Uh, they are truly amazing, and I know that any hospital has that, too, as well. But definitely compassion and empathy and respect, as well as great medical care. So, you know, we hope, we know yeah. this is going to continue, but I guess we hear everything and we see everything now. No one expected a pandemic. I want to talk more about the foundation now, Karen, and raising money. And we all know the big galas and the, you know, the big events that, uh, you know, you're famous for and all all these other organizations, what kind of ideas, and I know it's happened, we do virtual, but yeah. moving out post-pandemic, what are you planning? Well, I think, um, you know, continuing the events that we are currently running, right? We have an annual radiothon that presented mm -hmm. by the Vicar Auto Group that's, that, you know, happens every November. Um, a couple of years ago, we uh, worked with some volunteers from the hospital, mm -hmm. uh, some staff to, uh, start a new event called Run to Believe. So we're really encouraging all Manitobans to participate in that. Last year, again, we made it virtual, just like everybody else. And we were thrilled to see that it ex expanded beyond the running community to include people who were also walking and cycling. Um, I think I have one staff member this year that's probably going to roller skate, you know, <laughs> to raise funds for the hospital. Roller skating's making a big comeback, apparently. <laughs> you drag them out of so, the closet. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's really exciting to see how many people want to participate in that way to help raise money for the hospital. Um, we also, a couple of years ago, uh, I guess it was in fall of 2019, mm -hmm. started a new event called Rosé Soiree, which was a, a gala type event, a, a cocktail party format. Um, we were very fortunate um, at that time to be able to hold it in the ruins of St. Boniface Cathedral. It was an absolutely stunning wow. setting. Mm -hmm. um, it was just a magical evening, all in support of cardiac care here at St. Boniface Hospital. Last year, we were able to do the event virtually, which we were very mm -hmm. grateful for. I think we were one of the first virtual galas in Manitoba. And again, it was very successful. Um, and so we hope to continue that event in person at some point <laughs> in the future. Um, it would be really great to see people again and to continue to build on that event and expand it. Oh, most definitely. And I think we all look forward to that day. For you personally, Karen, what are some of the things that you would like to work on and make a difference, not only with the foundation, but also with the hospital and the community? So, I mean, I think it's really important for us to continue to support the funding priorities of the hospital, to work mm -hmm. with the hospital leadership, to identify where are the gaps, right? Mm -hmm. We all know that government pays for all the basic health care needs that we have, but if there are gaps that our donors can help to fill just to make patient care just a little bit better, you know, just bring it a little bit higher to that mark of excellence, that's what we're, we're here to do. Um, we're also really happy to be able to support uh, research, right? Medical oh, yes. research in our community. We're the home of the Albrechtson Research Center. And, you know, that research center alone is phenomenal. Like the, you know, the amount mm -hmm. of research that that core group of people put out every year is amazing. 
Um, we have 10 researchers over there that have been recognized as part of by Stanford University as part of the top 2% of researchers in the world. So you think about, you know, what they're doing and what they're doing helps to change the face, the face of patient care, right? And because they're here at St. Boniface, quite often we can see the results of that medical research translating directly into patient care within, you know, just within a few short years of them, you know, being able to make new discoveries and, and you know, create new innovations. So we're very fortunate. You certainly are. And you need to let the whole world know about this. I mean, this is absolutely amazing. <laughs> and it would be kind of, I think, very interesting and cool to have that connection, to be able to maybe talk to one of these top researchers, to make them, you know, do that kind of interaction that I think the community really would appreciate, especially now as we move forward. I think we've all been involved now in, in healthcare and you know, getting vaccinations and, you know, through social media, we think we're the experts, but we really aren't. But I think more importantly to know we have these incredible geniuses in our own backyard and to celebrate. So yes, exactly. Well, this year we actually were able to bring back the health report. So we used to run the show mm -hmm. on a local radio station. This year we've brought it back in a virtual format. So it is giving us that opportunity to, you know, for researchers to present their, you know, present information to the community, to provide expertise on different topics. Mm -hmm. You know, a few few weeks ago, we had uh, Dr. John Dukas, a cardiologist here at St. Boniface, talking about the importance of calling 911 if you think you're experiencing a heart attack, right? Mm -hmm. It seems like such a simple thing to do, but when people are in that moment, Quite often, that's not the first thing that comes into their mind, right? No, and so, you know, he's really trying to emphasize to the public how important it is because time is muscle when it comes to heart attacks. You know, having a cardiac arrest actually damages your heart mm -hmm. beyond repair, right? Like once heart muscles die, or sorry, once heart cells die during a heart attack, they never come back. Okay. Um, so, you know, it's super important to get to the hospital as quickly as possible if you think you're experiencing a cardiac event, even if it turns out to not be one or to be just a minor event, it's still really important to seek that care as soon as quick, as quickly as possible. Oh, well, and I guess to wrap things up, Karen, you've been at this job since March, but you know so much about it. You've been involved with the foundation for so many years. The best part of your job? Uh, I think the absolute best part is being able to see donors make a difference in the hospital and in healthcare in our community. It absolutely is heartwarming to be able to see people make a difference with the with the funding that they're able to provide at all levels of giving. Oh. Absolutely. Well, everybody, please continue to support the St. Boniface Hospital and the Foundation. Uh, happy birthday, happy anniversary, 50 years. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, and it's been so wonderful to chat with you. And please, let's uh, keep the conversation going because we want to help you celebrate when we can all get back together in the fall, hopefully. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Tracy. Say what, say what, say what, say what, say what.
it is always great to, you know, really promote some beautiful music that's happening around us in this pandemic and lockdown and isolation. And Tanya Joy, Joy is definitely the word. <laughs> Because I have to tell you, you know, it, the song, and then I watch the video, and I sing, oh, this is. This is what we need, you know. It's something a, a little different, you know. Maybe it's a little bit more sensual. It just, you know, instead of this up, upbeat, poppy music. I love the song Blink, and um, I really wanted to spend some time, get to know you, and share your music with everybody else. And like everybody else, we were talking about in a lockdown. You're in Ontario and Uxbridge, and uh, and I guess as a Writer and uh, and being a musician, you've been doing a lot of, I guess, songwriting and creating music. <laughs> That's right, for sure. The first uh, part of the pandemic was a little quiet, trying to get used to the rhythm of things. But uh, I was able to channel some creative energy, and I've been writing a, a lot and and uh, learning some new new things, new skill sets <laughs> to do uh, performances at home and uh, releasing some music. Oh, okay. So, and your backstory is, you know, wasn't like you, you grew up in music, but then, you know, I guess you call yourself a late bloomer, so to speak, and, and yeah. producing and, and doing your own writing. What was the moment, Tanya, where you, where you thought that I could actually do this? Uh, well, uh, I'm not sure. I think that, You know, I did come to music uh, later in life, and I think that I was dealing, just dealing with life's ups and downs, and mm -hmm. music had always been an attraction for me. So initially, I just, you know, took it on as a as a hobby to just learn guitar and, and sing along with my guitar. And uh, I think I realized quite quickly, because I do have a creative background, that this was another avenue that I could use to tell my stories. And, and, and in that particular instance, it was the right time. So music kind of came to me when I needed it the most. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And your profession, a creative designer, interior designer, is something like that, I think? It's a graphic designer, yes. Wow. So, I'm hey, then it. you don't have to worry about any of your graphic designs for, for your music. <laughs> It's very helpful. <laughs> yes, because that was my next, you know, kind of question, is the business of music. Right. And, you know, being a female and being obviously a female of color. Um, for you, Tanya, you know, what kind of, um, and if you did have challenges or maybe you didn't at all, you know, in, to this where you were until where you are now as far as the business end, how has it been for you? For music, I think I'm, I'm still at the beginning of my journey in my, in my mind as an emerging artist. So I haven't come up uh, against any unique challenges when it comes to music. I think there's always, Um, a few doors that you have to force open a little bit as a female in any industry. So, um, you know, to kind of create, to, to stand in your own voice and, and be able to sing the subject about the subjects you want to sing about um, and, and really position yourself um, as a strong creative being. Um, I think that's always a challenge across across many creative fields. So uh, for now, that's that's sort of where I sit. Um, I expect, <laughs> I sort of expect the challenge because uh, that's what life has always been about for me. So, oh, no know. doubt. Yes. <laughs> And so now the the album itself will, is looking at a fall release, but I love it that you have been releasing singles and one in particular too, besides Blink, uh, Planks and Marietta. Um, 
that release and you also gave all the proceeds to Black Lives Matter. So, you know, maybe make a, the connection there because, I, again, you know, Black Lives Matter has certainly been a, a huge movement for everybody. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I struggled just like uh, everyone with the challenges um, uh, of systemic racism that and as as it came like prolific in, in the news stories and last year with the death of George Floyd, I struggled trying to wrestle with um, what had happened in front of, you know, the whole world. Um, and then there was another incident that happened locally that, um, you know, opened my eyes right in my neighborhood as well to, you know, it, it's everywhere. It's, it's not just, you know, in other countries. Um, and when that happened, again, I, I sat with that in a little despair and, and um, eventually I was able to kind of connect the two two things, the two incidents and write a story about it um, and write a song about it. And I released it um, for in February for Black History Month and all of the proceeds from the downloads are, are being um, directed to Black Lives Matter. So it was great to just be able to even, you know, just articulate my thoughts and and hopefully it just continues the conversation and and really challenges people to take a look at um, what they can do to change things. And that's the I guess the hope too. Like you just said, that the conversations continue because we don't want them to stop. And we are creatures of habit, right? As soon as it's past our view, we're you know tunneling forward onto the next thing, and we do forget. Um, but even, you know, we're, we're for Blink and talking about, you know, rising above and, 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 you know, finding the inner strength when you're that's at right. the lowest. Uh, right. I think that's really pretty uh, another thing to think about. So uh, the story behind Blink then. Well, um, Blink is, a, is sort of, you know, about how life can just change in an instant, how you can be blindsided, um, what, you know, and every day things just switch it up for you. So um, in that particular instance, it's about a relationship, um, you know, being blindsided by it ending um, and having to reconcile all of the feelings and all of the, the things you thought to be true um, in that in that uh, relationship. So. Um, yeah, it was. It's a. It's a kind of a dark place to go, but in the end, it's always about rising um, and finding that way out of the darkness. And then now, too, in this whole lockdown right now, of course, um, the future. What does that look like for you, Tanya? As as an artist, how do you? How are you going to get your music out? I guess you know now. You're everything is virtual, but then you know you will be back at some point to performances, but then what will that look like? It's it's hard to say how long it will take to get back to, to normal, um, performing in, in small venues with crowds or larger venues with bigger crowds. So I think it's, you know, it's one day at a time. Um, every day I'm learning a new skill set to do this virtually. Um, I also am involved in a music festival here in my in my hometown, and um, we're look really excited to to bring that platform for artists back to the community who's itching, you know, for live music just like everybody else. Um, so I think we have to be innovated. We have to be innovative. We have to be patient and hopeful, you know. So tell us more about this music festival. This is fantastic. <laughs> 
Uh, well, we started, uh, our community started a music festival in 2018 uh, to promote and create a platform for local artists and then bring in new artists so that, uh, you know, we can introduce our community who loves music to the great Canadian talent that we have. So we've had it for, we've, we put on two, two years of it and then, uh, you know, COVID sidelined it for a bit, but there's a lot of energy. It's all volunteer based, um, nonprofit uh, festival, and it's, it's just great for our community. It really brings out the best in everyone. Well, and that's so good to hear because, I mean, as much as it's been, uh, you know, you, I've already, you know, met so many artists that are finding their own success through all of this, but there are so many other artists that are really struggling, you know, whether it's financially or it's mental health, um, you know, and something like this is it's so uplifting. It's, yes. it's truly amazing. <laughs> yeah, so it's called Springtide Music Festival. Um, we're online, um, and we are looking forward to bringing back those artists that have been on hiatus and, and waiting for the news of to come back. So we, we really are eager to support those artists again when things open up. And if you kind of look back at yourself, Tanya, and your personal journey through all, through all of this and to where you are now, what things have you learned about yourself? that have surprised you and then you know maybe some words of wisdom for other you know women girls out there yeah. that uh, maybe aspire to be in your shoes someday right well I, I would have to say that this journey wasn't an expected one it, it's definitely come to me you know it, later in life as I said and um, out of the blue um, and it really something that has changed my life and and if i look back you know seven or eight years ago there's no way i would have imagined that i'm so involved in music in the community and and releasing my own music and, and continuing down that path i think that we have to believe in ourselves and if we have that something that's um you know inside that's kind of itching to come out we really have to explore it especially during these times when life is so different um, maybe that's something positive that's come out of this um, lockdown and, and this, these pandemic times is a chance for introspection and, and really a second chance to to try something new or something that we've been you know holding back I would also say for women who are um, in this industry and others I think it's great to try and find like-minded individuals, other women champion, championing them and, and surround yourself with those who you see who are doing the things that you want to do in life and really help celebrate them and see what, how you can join in and, and, uh, and become involved in something that you're really passionate about. Aww. Yeah, I think it's an optimistic outlook. Uh, I love how, seeing all how, how the women are all um, banding together right now and uh, really celebrating each other. Oh, well, definitely. Well, congratulations to you, Tanya. And uh, we're going to premiere the video Blink right now on Hue at Home. I say I think a little Anita Baker in the voice. It, it, it truly is special. And the dancer, she was amazing too as well. Yes, yes, she was. She was awesome. I thought she did a fabulous job. I was very pleased, yes. Okay. Thank well, you very much. Thank you, Tanya. Stay safe and healthy, and hopefully uh, we'll see you performing. Oh, so, I look forward to that so yes. much. Thank you, Tracy. Thank, thank you. For you. Me.
Coming up next, a very important clip from our Hue virtual chat with Elder Charlene Calder as she shows us ways to heal and that we can all move forward together. Oh, I want to say hello as Charlene. Welcome. Hi, Hi. sorry. That's okay. I was doing some stuff here and I'm like, I wonder how I'm going to get notified. So then I went on my phone and I looked up and there you guys were. So I'm sorry for that. Hello. Good afternoon. Oh, no. And thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We've just been talking a little bit, you know, before the Kamloops uh, um, residential school story. It was the Ethan Bear story and and the horrible racism. Um, And then now... And before Ethan Bear, it was many other stories. Many others. So, okay, so Charlene, there's just, it's been terrible the last couple of weeks. And I, I think that we all have heavy hearts. All have heavy hearts. Very much, yes. So, I, I think... Our city's in a slumber. <laughs> with your, I guess, knowledge and, and wisdom, Charlene, uh, in the Indigenous culture, it is known that the elders and the knowledge keepers are the ones that people look up to. Where, where do the elders stand today? And why is it so important for you to really try and help not only the Indigenous community, but all of us um, find a way to heal? Well, I first want to um, acknowledge where we are, that we are on... Treaty One Territory, the land of the the Diné, the Ojibwe, the Cree, the Innu, the Métis, and we are, I acknowledge that we are here, right here on Métis territory, right here. And I am a Métis woman. Um, my name is Charlene, but my traditional name is Kigatuk uh, Kinyukwe. And um, I, my father and the ancestors on that side are from um, York Factory Cree Landing. And so I acknowledge uh, the elders today and the knowledge keepers um, and all of the people that, um, you know, that may be watching. I acknowledge them. And I was listening to our friend Cynthia uh, as I came on as the center. And, and I've been since since I've been talking with you and with uh, with Clayton, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I seeked some uh, some guidance from from a knowledge keeper and a very important person in my life. And I mean, this talk has been going on forever. Mm-hmm. This isn't nothing new. That's, that's the, you know, that's the thing about it is that it's not like this is something new that we're going to, oh, what do we do now? No, this is like years and years, thousands of years of racism, you know, and you say, what do we do now? You know, I've been on this, on the earth, on Mother Earth, on this land for 55 years, you know, and growing up and seeing um, the racism in, in my community. Back then it was very silent. It was very silent. You didn't really, you know, you didn't really see. But today, because I believe, and in talking with some of the elders, and the elders are very sad. Today is, right now is a very sad time for our people around the world around the world, not just here in Winnipeg, not just in Kamloops, all over the world that are watching this. And it saddens my heart. It does sadden my heart. It hurts like, it hurts like a a knife going through your body when you think about it. And then to see, you know, 
the whole issue with Ethan. We are in 2021. We are, uh, we are in a generation where we have all this stuff and all this technology. And, and even those things are showing our kids. And that's where it starts. It starts in the home. It starts in the home. Babies aren't born racist. I mean, we see it all over Facebook. You see a little, a brown baby with a, a, a white baby and they're hugging and they're so happy to see each other. You see those videos on Facebook and all across that media, social media like that. And everybody's, oh, is that ever sweet? You know, you need to take action. Action is what's needed. Behaviors are what needs to change. Cycles need to change. You know, and I can give you, you know, you think about just if you want to talk just about the, the indigenous community, you know, you start coming from, from that history of residential school and you think how that plays on a person's mental health, on their mental psyche, you know? You hear all these, these I mean, it, it's, it's now in scientifical form and it's only until it gets to that is when it's believed. It shouldn't get, have to get to that to know that these these teachings, that this way of life, that these things that are happening are, are, are true and real. They happen. And that's what the society, the world has to know is that this happened, folks, like right here in your backyard, mm -hmm. you know, and now you're, you've got a, a, a young man who I'm, is, is very good at hockey. And those guys coming from the north, they're all good at that's We created hockey <laughs> we created that so i mean he's gonna be good at that you know what i mean and and it, it just blows my mind to see that i gotta watch this on my tv after watching the game first i'm gonna cheer on winnipeg because I'm <laughs> but you know and i'm so proud you know and to see the syllabics on his jersey like for that for us that's progress for us folks that's so, that's progress to see our kids going up. That's what we want. Everybody wants that for their children, no? Everybody wants to see their children succeed, their grandchildren. I wanna see my grandchildren succeed. I hope I can see them get into hockey or get into something, you know, that they, that their dreams that they wanna follow in their life. And that's what, whether you're black, native, you know, Hindu, Asian, whatever you are, white, whatever you are, Everyone wants that for their children and their children's children. I don't think that's, you know what I mean? So what do we do now after how many years this has been talked about? You know, how many, how many, I think about, I was thinking when, like I said, when I, when you asked me to come on, um, I first, you know, I offer tobacco and I always go to my ancestors and I pray upon it because that's, that's something we've lost. <laughs> that's another thing that this whole world is, is losing is that faith and that spirituality and checking in. You know, all those things are said in books and all those things are talked about, but rarely do we walk that road. You know, and even our, our helpers, our healers, you know. So now we have this young man who's who's a professional and he's in this, you know, in, in sports. And sports is, a, is a, a, a really hard place to be at, you know, to begin with. It's competitive got to be on your game you know all of that right as individuals but then you're in a team setting right and not one person does that team 
there's there's no what was that saying there's no i in team right we hear that all the time in the workplace there's no i in team right there's no i in team for sports either so it wasn't ethan's fault why he we they lost the game it's because we are great the jets are great no just kidding <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i think that acknowledging you know look look at in the school system right in the school system we we have all these anti-bullying, anti-racism, anti-this, anti-that. But again, it's not, nothing's going to change until people start to change, behaviors start to change, cycles start to drop. And I'm going to give you a story a little bit uh, in regards to my own personal. Mm -hmm. My children are, are Cree and they're uh, Ojibwe. And, uh, and I raised them I hoped I raised them to be proud of who they are. So I'm going to share, uh, share a couple of stories. So when my son was about eight years old, um, he always, for Halloween, he always, always was a Dra uh, Dracula. Okay. Every year, nothing different. Dracula, my, Dracula, mom. Okay. Are you sure? You don't sure you don't want to be this guy? You know, no, Dracula. So Halloween, we start getting ready for Halloween. I start putting the white, you know, smoothing the white like this on his face all over. Smoothing it out, smoothing it out. And I said, okay. I said, you're good now. Let's start getting, you know, his wait, mom, wait, wait. I want to see. And he runs into the bathroom and, he, and we're in the kitchen. And all of a sudden I hear mm -hmm. him say, yay, I'm white. Yay, I'm white. Mm -hmm. And my heart just, whew, to hear my little eight-year-old say that. We want to give a big thank you to all of our special guests on today's show and leave you with this question. Despite all the craziness and madness going on in the world, what are you most thankful for? We want to know, so send us an email to hello at ilikehugh.com or message us on Facebook and Instagram at ilikehew. But for now, stay safe and healthy, and we'll see you next time on Hugh at Home. listening. This has been a production of ilikeq.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. 
And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.